The construction industry is undergoing a huge transformation. Designers and contractors are facing new challenges every day. We are all overloaded with rising material cost, a growing skilled labor gap, increasing project complexities, and countless digital solutions. This podcast focuses on innovation through process analysis, change management, and building a culture of continuous improvement. Together, we will learn from industry leaders on how to improve workflows, increase communication, and build the future. Thank you for tuning in. Now let's jump into this week's episode. Hello, everyone. It's Amanda Harvison coming to you from the Nika Innovation Overload Podcast Studio, and I'm joined by Tahir Ali and today's special guest, Mike Deaton, who is the president of Lave Electric. Mike, we are so excited to have you on and talk to you today. To start off, tell us about your background and how you got into this industry. Yeah, so the uh, the background, it's a family business. Uh, I've got my grandfather involved, my dad's involved, my uncle's involved, and I have my sister with me here. From a young age, I used to come in the office with my father and he would draw up a series or a parallel circuit. I'd run into the warehouse and I'd grab the materials and try and wire it up together. He'd prove me wrong or I'd be right. From there, I just enjoyed the electrical idea of the business and being involved with everything and, you know, seeing what he did on a daily basis. I did, uh, went to, I went to college, uh, went to the construction management program uh, at Bowling Green State University. And from there, I couldn't just jump into the office. I couldn't do it myself. I wouldn't, I felt I couldn't get the respect from the guys in the field if I did it that way. So after college, joined the apprenticeship program, did my five years of school uh, with the uh, JTC. And after that was done, I moved into the office, started off as an estimator project manager, worked my way up to executive vice president. And then finally, uh, in 2017, became president of late. Mike, thank you so much for a powerful look at your background and the journey that got you to where you are today. So here on the Innovation Overload podcast, overloads in the title because innovation is such a huge buzzword, but it's also something that's coming at us from all angles, right? Everything has to be innovative or everyone has to be innovative and transformative. So what does innovation mean to you and your organization? Innovation us in our organization, it really means just staying on the forefront of what's yet to come. Early on, we started with uh, VDV back in the early 80s, had a group of guys that we could get in with the AT&Ts and do their work with them. Uh, we, we've now grown that uh, program into a third of the market. I would say 15 years ago, we saw prefab as an opportunity to really progress the industry. Um, we had our first large prefab project then. Since then, we've opened up space in our warehouse that's given us uh, the opportunity to grow uh, into a prefab manager, prefab foreman. We have dialogue with the guys in the field uh, with forms and applications of, of what they want done. We've always felt that investing in the prefab department, you know, having the quality tools, the quality craftsmen, that if we can give them a, a good product and that the field will take on and, and want to run with uh, more prefab. I know it's a, still it's a, mm, a negative word sometimes in the market, at least where we're at. If we work with the IBW and we do things in accordance to how they'd like to see it happen, we've, we've been very fortunate and very achieving in that area. 
you know, the next thing that we stick around or that we try to uh, look at is the EV charging or the solar fields that we've done quite a bit of work with. And I see that market growing even more. Uh, utilities are really, I guess, under the weather. They need a lot of infrastructure for what's yet to come. And, you know, the EV market, I think, is a the next boom as well as the solar. So, Mike, you know, talking with you, you went through college, you went through the apprenticeship, and now you're president of the company. So you clearly have a growth mindset. Have you always had this mindset or did you have to develop it? And if so, what factors attributed to it? A growth mindset. I've always been at a young age or when I do sports, it was always I, I, I couldn't settle to be on the B team. It was always I got to be on the top team 100 percent all the time. In high school, I did rowing. I was always in the eight-man boat. And that's a great sport to be in uh, because it takes teamwork. And if you're not all in sync with the boat, with the the touch of the the waves and the the feeling that you guys are all emulating together, you're not going to be successful at getting the race accomplished and winning. And I saw that through practice, through hard work, uh, with great teamwork, you can get success. And I, I guess I can apply that to today with having the great team that I have and everyone kind of pushes each other and you want to make sure that, you know, where we're at, we are at the top of our game. And it's easy to have growth and success when everybody on your team works together and is in sync. So let's talk a little bit about that teamwork piece and dive in a little. So as you mentioned, you're from a family business and that's Mm -hmm. something that we see We see it often in the industry, right? The multi-generations. What does it look like or, you know, what's your best advice for someone who is joining a family business, maybe from the the field or the apprentice side, but even, you know, coming in from the project management or construction management and going into the office, how do they fit into this infrastructure that's truly a family dynamic? And what would be your best piece of advice? Because we do have a lot of listeners who are, new newer in their roles uh how do you continue to have that growth when your your last name may not be the one that's you know on the building sure i'm very fortunate to be in the position i'm at as president it was never a guarantee my father made that he made me aware of that uh he wouldn't have put me in the position if i wasn't uh right for it i guess with that being said though we have a, a very strong group of individuals here that have grown have developed we, we try to make sure that as you come into the family business or the family aspect of what we do here, it's, it's that you're not treated as a number, you're treated as a person, as an individual. And the growth of everybody here, uh, and I tell that when they come in, I'm like, listen, just because you're starting out at this position as an estimator or a project manager, I go, you can become, you can move up. There's vice president roles, there's you know other roles. And we've had the success of quite a few people here where, you know, three years ago, I promoted our now vice president, you know, that he's had success. We've got a vice president of technology and industrial. We've got a director that, you know, they all have started somewhere and are now either director or vice president. There's so many ways to innovate, right? You can innovate through strategy, through technology, culture. And one of the most important ones is people. And you know, talking to you, you've mentioned peer groups before. So I just wanted to get your take on peer groups and how they have benefited you. And for our listeners, for anyone who is thinking of joining a peer group, how was it impactful for you? Yeah. Uh, So I'm in two peer groups. One is 
a local YPO. Obviously, it's global, but it's local. I had no idea what it was, uh, never heard of it. And I've got a few people asked me to go out to lunch with them, introduce me to what YPO was. You know, when I first got into YPO, I thought it was just going to be strictly business. You know, we're going to talk about business every single time we get into a forum and meet for four hours. And it just blew my mind that the structure of it where you go to a meeting, you have to shut your phone off, which for most people, it's extremely hard to do. You can't check your email. You can't do your phone for four hours. And I was just, how am I going to do this? I've been in there now for three and a half years. It's a lot more than what I thought. It's family. It's business. It's personal development. It's, it's unbelievable the, the power that it does have that you can sit in a room with a group of guys that you didn't know and share things that you, you wouldn't even expect to share with maybe your wife. I don't want to say that. Don't let her listen. But there's things that you do share that it's, it's quite unbelievable and it's empowering. For me, the YPO has been fantastic. Uh, FMI, that's an electrical forum I'm in and we meet two to three times a year. Uh, it's uh, contractors from all over the country from New York to California. And, and we get together and we really dive into the business aspect, which I really, really enjoy because it's, we're, we're learning about not just how we operate because they really ask you questions on how your company is. And there might be metrics that you didn't even think of. And you're going, why am I not doing that? Or you'll hear something that somebody else does and you, you go, well, I can do that. Why am I not doing that? Or they hear something from you you know, the one of the big takes that we've had from my peer group with FMI is that a lot of them have looked towards us for the prefab department. I've had a lot of visits from my, my forum guys to come see our prefab department, how it operates, how it works. Uh, and they've created their, for, uh, their, their prefab departments now. And we email each other all the time and they're calling our prefab manager all the time. And, you know, it's the collaboration there where they can, where we can bounce ideas and, and, and theories off each other. And it's helped them grow. It's helped us grow. It really is a, a great tool. And if, if other people are lucky to get involved with that, I mean, I wouldn't, I would say, go for it. That's so great, Mike. And I, you know, I think you hit on a lot of really powerful things in terms of being willing to share in a peer group and being willing to, like you said, literally open up your shop and, and have people come in and, and learn from them. You do everything you're not supposed to do, right? It's, what you're taught when you're a, a business owner or, you know, an estimator project manager is that you don't want to share your secrets. It is completely 100% confidential and you open up everything. And, and you're, it's, it's a little nerve wracking at first when you do it, but it's also uh, very, very powerful when you, when you do it and you can actually, because everyone, I feel like everyone has those questions on what should my day look like and how should I be operating? And as a leader in your company, you don't want to have to second guess your thoughts or processes. And, and there, there are other outlets for this helps create an outlet, right? Because everyone comes to you with the problems, but who do you take your problems to? And this helps you take your problems with like-minded people to just vent or figure out your issues. I think something also powerful that you, you know, you brought up two different peer groups, right? FMI and YPO. And FMI, as you mentioned, is a, a very for our listeners who may not be as familiar, FMI is a very construction-focused group, right? They they focus on our industry. Can you give a little bit, just kind of high level, on what does YPO stand for, and and who are the people who get involved? For those who aren't, you know, necessarily uh, happen to go to a lunch that that gets them in, what is it, and how do they get involved? 
I, you know, YPO is, and anyone can get involved with YPO. You've got to, well, I shouldn't say it. There are certain requirements in your market areas that each each uh, YPO group organization has different set, basically standards for joining certain revenue standards. If you feel like you meet those requirements, you can go to their website, find out who the chapter manager is, talk to them. But it really is, it's a, it's a peer group of CEOs and presidents in your local market. Ours just happens to be you know, Toledo vicinity and Southern Michigan. So it's a bit different from most. You join, you get in a forum group. There's usually a max of eight people in a forum. And you, you uh, talk about well, business, family, life, personal, and you meet on a monthly basis. You talked about how, you know learning and growing up in a family business. And we talked about all of the different technologies and ways that you guys look at innovation. How do you bring the team along? What does that look like in terms of, is it all coming from the top or do these innovations come from champions within? And then how do you make sure that when you're looking at a new idea or like you said, you know, ripping up the building and changing your lighting, how do you get the team excited so that, you know, championing doesn't just come from, from one side of the building? Yeah, no, that's great. I I just want to say like, so I tell everybody all the time, my door is always open. I want to hear from people. I want to talk to people. I want them to come in here and feel free that they can come in with any idea or any kind of issue that they might have uh, here. And I I actually have a quote on my computer screen uh, that says, the answer is yes until you have a reason to say no. When someone comes at me with an idea, and we've ran with a lot of ideas that our our teams produced, um, because obviously, yeah, A, I'm the president, but I don't always have the best decisions. You got to hear what everyone has to say, because if you're really closed-minded, you're not going to be successful. You're not going to have growth. This is a it is a machine. What we do here, day in and day out, and everyone needs to have input from their project managers, estimators, the receivables, payables, purchasers. They they all have live. They they, they all have their lives invested in the company. The people here. I mean, we're with each other eight, 10 hours a day. It's a family. So you got to treat them with respect and let them, let them have their piece of what they want to say. And, you know, when, when we're sitting there at round tables in the office and, and talking, yeah, I mean, people get frustrated, but, you know, we, we get through the matters and we get through trying to learn and grow. So earlier you mentioned VP of technology. And especially with all the new tech coming up, some of the infrastructure problems where we have this whole new, you know, action to put in charging stations for EV. We need 500,000 is the new new call to action Mm -hmm. for us. So just in general, with all this new tech, all these new initiatives coming up, how do you approach research and development at your company? And what does that process look like? Well, yeah. So for developing a process of, you know, trying to learn new technologies. It's a lot of research. I, our prefab manager loves to dabble with anything that might be cutting edge, whatever. So I, I tend to lean on him a bit when it comes to diving into dissecting, you know, the EV charging stations. Let's just go, with, we'll roll with this one. I, I said, hey, you know, how can we produce this? You know, how can we put something together that's a package unit? I go, we need to get a charging station. So he found a charging station that we weren't using. And um, he, you know, basically dissected it. He's like, we can build this. We should just try to build one. You know, I'm like, well, let's, let's do it. You know, let's try and 
invest some time and, and effort into making these things happen. And, you know, he's done some designs and, you know, we're producing, we're trying to produce a, a model that we could go and put to market, so to say, right? Like a package unit that you can just go and, and give to, you know, your, your Costco's or your uh, grocery stores, you know, cause you want to draw people into the business. And that's how I kind of think of it is if we can give them something that's going to draw somebody in their business for an hour, 45 minutes, you know, hour and a half while they sit there and I got to charge my car. So let's go plug this in and I'm going to walk around the store for an hour, hour and a half. You know, they're going to buy something. We kind of developed that. We talked to the engineering teams uh, that that we work with a lot to run ideas off them too, because you got to be really good friends with the engineers and architects in your industry. So we lean on them as well too, and helping develop ideas and technology to get out into the industry. I mean, you know, here we've got, we have four charging stations here at our office that, you know, we, we use daily. It's, it was just something that we felt was appropriate. We're electrical contractor. Let's buy some electric cars. I think people see that and they, and, and they know that we're trying to stay on the cutting edge of things. You know, I think that's a, a really great point there, Mike, is the fact that you are looking at ways to, to create these value added services. Right. And that's, that's awesome because again, it's more holistic and that gives it more sticking power. So speaking of sticking power, when you talk about all of these, these new ideas or, or the new programs, what does success look like for your organization in terms of how do you, how do you measure or how do you track or how do you prove, you know, this path worked or this path didn't in terms of, you know, not just these cool new ideas, but making things sustainable, making them part of your business offerings. Well, I'd like to say the first part is what does success look like? I can answer that one. It's, it's a very, what, what we try to teach is that, you know, we're not looking for the big bang growth. We've never have, we've always wanted to have a success of small wins, small grows. Our thought process is if we can make that customer, that CM, GC happy, make them, you know, us the least problematic contractor on their job deliver them something that what they paid for, what they put their stock in makes them happy at the end of the day. We want the return of them, you know, the customer to come back. And, you know, we've been successful at getting the return customer. And it doesn't necessarily mean staying on top of the top of the technologies. It's, you know, keep that customer happy, deliver them a good product that they're going to, you know, know that the next time they do something, they're going to call you. If we can do that, then we know that we've made success with that project. You know, we still have customers from when my grandfather first came into the industry and to this day, they still call us for things, which, you know, that's a huge achievement that we've been, have them, have had them for the last 60 years. Um, And then it comes down to their family, then, you know, their family, their son or grandchild, they call us, right? By adding the technology part to this, you know, we are giving them additional products, giving them additional ideas that, you know, Maybe they may need it now. They may not need it yet. But, you know, eventually they see that what we're doing will be an add to their ever-growing portfolio. So I always love occasional long shot questions. Mm-hmm. And I think this one's perfect for you because your company has does all types of work and you're part of peer groups. So what are the biggest threats you see that could potentially face the electrical contracting industry? Uh, Amanda, I think the biggest threat to our industry is is making sure that 
you know, our, our projects are ever growing faster and faster and lead times are shorter and shorter. And, you know, I think the, our, our guys in the field, you know, we, and, and the project managers, we all really struggle with making sure we're staying on top of our game with getting jobs completed. We strive to meet the schedules and the demands and of every project. And obviously we've got, you know, not just one project going on that we can solely focus on, you know, it's multitude, you know, it could be hundreds of projects and really, by staying on the forefront of the industry, creating quicker and easier means for the guys to get projects done, the prefab, the job packed fixtures or whatever you can create to make the project flow better for your guys in the field will produce a better product. Like we've talked about earlier, prefab for us has given us the opportunities to help reduce stress in the field by creating uh, you know, bending the conduit here at the at our warehouse and uh, making pipe racks with conduit runs already prefabbed on it. And you just ship it out to the project and, you know, they get it, they lift it, install it. You know, if, if you can get creative to combine a bunch of work into one area in a controlled environment, get it to the site so you're doing less installation on site. You know, you're creating less stress in the field. You're creating a quicker deliverable time. The product's going to be cleaner, better. It, it, that'll help reduce, you know, the biggest threat of, of not being able to get these jobs done, get things to the owners quicker. And, and I think at the end of the day, the guys appreciate it. The owners appreciate it. We've dabbled with trying to push aluminum conduit because it's lighter. It's less wear and tear on the body. The guys, uh, if you can keep them healthy, safe, you, you're going to, again, be successful at, with the owners and, and your company. That's so true, Mike. And and what I love is in that answer uh, to to Amanda's moonshot question, you gave a lot of really practical advice. So I think that's, you know, it's great because when we think lofty, it's always great to ground it with impact. And and you are giving us some some real gold here. So as we as we kind of move towards the the end of our conversation, uh, which is difficult because there's so many things that I want to follow up on, what would you say is a call to action or, you know, that next step or that, that piece of advice that you would want to share with our listeners, uh, just given all the things we've talked about. And like you said, all the things that you've learned on your own journey. You know, as a last call, I would say that everybody's journey is going to be a bit different. Their markets are a bit different. You know, your team's a bit different. You got to try and make sure that the, the team that you have is cohesive, that they're going to, want to come in and work, uh, just not in the field, but in the office as well. I mean, you got to keep both of these families working well together and it's, it's hard to marry those. It's hard to keep them stress-free or non-problematic because every day is a different challenge, you know, and I can give insight on, on the one individual we had here working one time. He, he got himself in a little bit of trouble, uh, said some things he shouldn't have said, and we had to send him to anger management classes. And we, he, we gave him time off and said, you complete the course, you can come back to work. He achieved all of that. He did the course, came back, and he was really a different person when he came back, less angry, less vocal. He had one defining moment after he completed the course that has stuck with me after I talked to him about it. And he said he was driving uh, with his daughter one day. They had just gotten McDonald's. He said someone cut him off. And he had a slam on his brakes and all his food and French fries and drink went everywhere in his pickup truck. And he goes, you know, before that class, I would have yelled, chased the guy down, 
screamed at him. He goes, at that moment when it happened, the only thing I said to myself was, it's only French fries. And to me, that resonates just not with how he is now. But to me, it's, it resonates as a daily life action where something's going to go wrong no matter what your day. You're not going to have a perfect day. But you got to keep in mind that it's only French fries. You know, you're going to get over it. We're going to get past it. We're going to get through this. You know, yeah, it's kind of like a, a, a bit of a running joke when we say it because it, it makes me laugh when I do say it. But it also helps with the situation at hand that when something bad happens, I say this and I get a laugh out of it. And it kind of makes it feel a little bit better. But you can then get past the angry part and move on to a solution because that's what you need to do. You don't want to keep the problem. You want to get the solution. And that's what I've gathered from this gentleman. Yeah, Mike, actually, I really love that that story. It really resonates. And it also hits back home to how your company is a family. Yeah, you put in that effort. You put in that that extra step to have that member come back better than ever. So I think that's amazing. So thank you so much, Mike, for being on the show with us today. And thank you for your insights. For all of our listeners, feel free to reach us at innovation at nikanet.org with any questions, comments, or suggestions. We look forward to hearing your view of innovation and the challenges ahead.